Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, this is a special bonus episode that Stephanie and I just recorded on the coronavirus pandemic. We talk about what is in the control of veterinary practices, what we can actually do to prepare if your area has not been hit yet, and how to uh, withstand the storm if it has been hit. So we get into it, we're super focused on actionable steps, what can we do, what do we need to be planning for and thinking about. I hope this is crazy helpful for you. Uh, We really gave it our best. I know that things are changing quickly. This is where we're at right now. Gang, have a listen. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and the world's most beautiful fomite, Stephanie Goss. That's right. Brought down a nation. Stephanie, patient zero, goss. Oh my God. Oh, thank you, Kelsey Beth Carpenter, for for that nickname that I will now never live down with Andy Rourke. (laughs) The world's most beautiful hugging death machine. Oh, goodness gracious. Guys. <laughs> How's it going, Andy? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like most of our listeners feel, I think we're going to put this out as just a bonus episode. Uh, we are recording this on Thursday, the 12th of March, and the world is changing very fast, and I feel like it's important to get this out, so I think we're going to put this out as a bonus episode. So, I'm uh, I'm probably feeling the stress that most everybody else is feeling. We have a, a conference, the April Uncharted Conference, coming up in six weeks. And so, obviously, I'm feeling a lot of stress about that, trying to do what's right and what's best and um, to balance all the commitments that we have to different people and things like that. So, uh, I'm feeling a lot of stress there. And then I'll be in the clinic uh, later today, and um, and I'm feeling some stress about being there. And so I think I'm probably feeling a lot of what everybody else is feeling. And so uh, let's unpack this. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have some fun as we always do about a, about a serious topic. But look, you know we've got to we've got to go on. We've got to keep perspective. We've got to um, we've got to just take what life gives us and move forward. And so that's what we're doing. You and me. Let's talk about. COVID-19 and what it means for vet practices and more importantly what vet practices can do uh right now like let's talk about yep. right now there's a ton of fear let's shake off the fear and get practical and actually do things that matter and make sense well, how does that sound yeah i mean it's definitely at the forefront of my mind in terms of um, what to do in the clinic. And I know, um, you know, I know some of us are um, in a, in a boat where right now our experience with the coronavirus is just being at the clinic like I was yesterday and literally spending an hour trying to source toilet paper for the damn clinic. Like, 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's as simple as that. Like we are inconvenienced. There is no toilet paper available. And we have staff that occasionally actually take bathroom breaks and need toilet paper. And what are we going to do? And there are also listeners out there who, like myself, are in um, what are quickly becoming hotspots for the spread of the virus. And so for those of us in those areas, I think we have already been thrown into a situation where planning is probably a little bit more advanced for us um, because we're dealing with it in real time versus some of our colleagues. But I think it's on everybody's mind. What do I do? Um, and how is this going to affect my team, my clients, our patients, um, and, and ultimately the, the business? And so I think, it's, I think it's super smart to talk about having a plan. And I also think, for me, it's really important to preface this episode by saying, um, you know, we don't want to freak people out. And I don't want you to start beating yourself up if you are sitting in your clinic going, we have no plan. That's okay, because most of us don't have a plan. Right. The point is, I think we're at a point where we need to think about getting a plan and pretty quickly. Well, right. That's why I wanted to push this episode out as as a special episode. Is just like, time is of the essence. Uh, we can't, I don't think we can wait till next week to get this going. So you and I are in different worlds. You are in Washington, and you are highly affected. I am in South Carolina. Uh, we, you know, there's a couple cases showing up around us, uh, but it... it um, I don't want to say I'm unaffected. I, obviously, I am. Uh, there's there's no Lysol wipes to be had. The Clorox yeah. wipes are gone from the grocery stores. Th- you know, there's there are basic things like that that we're starting to be affected by. It's coming. You know what I mean. And so we're trying to move quickly and uh, figure out what our plan is. I think that you have to start talking about this with headspace. Okay. Um, the biggest fear, the greatest fear is fear itself. I think that it, um, it sucks our emotional energy. It makes us irrational. It distracts us from what we have to do. And so I I just want to start off number one saying, um, you know, COVID-19 is, is not a joke. We know that it's serious. We're going to be honest about it and prepare for it. At the same time, there is so much drama around it. Um, one of my personal pet peeves, I'm gonna get on a soapbox is that we have a media that's driven by advertisements and attracting and retaining our eyeballs. And so there is a, um, there's a bias towards sensationalism and presenting stories and presenting stories in a way that will keep people glued to the screen and so I do think there's a, I think there's a lot of noise. I think our media has a vested interest in scaring the crap out of us so that we tune into the news all day, every day. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's useful. And again, I think that we can absolutely be honest about what we're dealing with without the sensationalism. I, um, I talk sometimes about uh, this is all sports. And one time I was getting my hair cut and I went to this uh, like sport cuts place. And it was one of those places where they have TVs, you know, built into the mirrors so that you can watch. And I'm just sitting there and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. I was on my lunch break from the clinic and there are these grown people just yelling at each other about nothing. I mean, it was, you know, how dare you say that so-and-so was a better inside player than so-and-so. And these guys acted like this was 
you know, like a religious war. Like, I mean, right. it, they were so ridiculous. And I just remember looking at it and going, this is our media. You know, it's, it's all sports. We see these things all the time that are just so overhyped and so over-dramatized. And again, now, of course, we're talking about something that actually matters and is not complete hype. But the sports media still exists of sure. let's hype this like crazy. So accept that, realize that there is a ton of drama around it. Get selfish for a moment. That's what we're doing right now. Get selfish. How does this affect you, specifically you, in this moment? How does this affect your practice. The fact that people are quarantined in a hotel in Seattle does not affect you unless you happen to work at that hotel, right? Like it does not affect you. The fact that there's a travel ban to Europe, it does not affect you. The fact that the NBA is not playing games, that does not affect you. Not right now, right? The fact that schools in Washington are shutting down and kids are being sent home, that probably does not affect you right now. We can pay attention to the fact that that is happening and say, this is a thing that might happen in our area. So that is useful information, but that is the extent of the useful information. It's not happened here. That has not happened where you are probably. It might happen. And we need to take that piece of information unemotionally and use it. And so the first thing to do, shake off the drama, get selfish. What do you really, uh, what are you really affected by? Right now, the rest of it, we're going to put it out of our mind because all we can do is act locally and control what we can control. So this is a mental exercise about what can you control, what can you not control, the wisdom to know the difference, and the internal strength to push away the things you can't control and focus on the small number of things that you can control. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. And I think that other the other thing too is um to really no matter what happens we're all making decisions in real time with the best information that we have available to us in that moment and things are changing so fast and what feels good um on day number one may be a completely different thing from what feels good on day 10 in terms of when um a situation like this affects you and you are doing the best that you can and you just have to keep telling yourself that and look at Amazon from legitimate sources that are going to be helpful and not sensational, I think is, is really, really helpful. And we're going to talk about some of those resources. Um, but I, I think you're totally right. Okay. This is, um, I, I tell you this, I, I struggle a lot with the idea of letting people down like that. That's a personal thing about me. It's I do not want to let anyone down. And that's just it's a it's um it's it's a double edged sword. It's a good thing because it pushes me to try to always do what's right and and do right by people and to be generous um, and to, to be uh, ethical and, and practice with integrity above all else. Um, at the same time, it's very challenging for me right now. And in situations like this, because I don't know what's best and what looked like it was best a week ago may not be what turns out to be best in the future. And so I feel this great pressure to be right 
in a world that is shifting so fast and, um, and to know things that I cannot know. And so self-forgiveness and self-care right now, I think is really, really important. This is really the self-care Olympics. Like this is what we have trained for. Like (laughs) I, I am, I am sticking to my exercise guns, even though I don't want to, like, this is a time where I go, I've got so much going on. I'm super busy. I don't have time to go run. This is exactly the time to go run. This is the time more than any other time that you need to go to yoga or CrossFit or to go run or to go walk, get that lunchtime walk in, get outside, breathe fresh air, get your blood flowing, get those endorphins going. You need this to make good decisions and to keep going because this is a stressful time that's going to continue on for, uh, I don't, who knows how long. And so throwing your self-care away right now, that's a bad idea. We should be trying to get good sleep. We should be, if you're meditating, then you should be meditating. If you're exercising, you should be exercising. If you're eating well, you should be eating well. Like these are the things you need to take. You need to baby yourself. Be gentle with yourself. You're doing the best that you can. And so take care of yourself. This is the time that it really matters. And it's the time it's hardest to take care of yourself. And there's a million excuses and reasons not to take care of yourself. This is the time it matters the most. And so I, if you need someone to give you permission, uh, Andy Rourke is giving you permission to take <laughs> care of yourself. Uh, he's just some random guy with a podcast and a, and, a, and a co-host. But if you needed someone to give you permission, I will be that someone and say, the best move that you can make strategically is to take care of yourself so that you are making relaxed logical decisions and not burning out and not getting sick because your immune system is beaten to pieces. Yeah. And it's really hard, right? Like when things are crazy, it's hard, especially for practice owners and practice managers um, who are sitting here thinking, okay, but my team is counting on me and my clients are counting on me and I have to be there for all my patients. And, you know, um, if other hospitals are closing then someone has to stay open Look, you guys, it's, I, I get it. You, it's really easy to think about how are you going to save the world? And the reality is you can't save the world um, if you don't take care of yourself first. So this is the point in time where you really have to push yourself to say it is okay. I have to take a break. And even if you have to go to your boss or go to your manager and say, but Andy and Stephanie said, I have to go outside and take a walk. <laughs> yeah. All means this is the time to use use those kind of excuses and just say, look, I just need five minutes. I need to, you know, I need I need a break and I need to take care of myself. Yeah, you got to put your oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on others. And so my priorities is put the oxygen mask on myself, which is not my instinct, but it's what I need to do because this is going to be a marathon. This is not a get through to Friday thing. Mm-hmm. So put your oxygen mask on yourself and then take care of your team. Right. Because you need them and they need you. And if you're the manager, the practice owner, you, you you know, you have some responsibility and um, I don't want to stress anybody out, but we do like our team is our primary responsibility, in in my opinion. And then after that, we'll we'll serve uh, the pets and the public the best that we can. But uh, but we do have a responsibility to our team, first and foremost, I I believe that's that's just sort of a core value for me. All right. 
we have an episode. If people are really struggling with this and you're like, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. We have a podcast um, a couple months back. It's called Help, I'm Totally Overwhelmed. There is no better time to listen to that podcast than right now. We just go through managing this sorts of feelings of overwhelm. I think I'm probably going to listen to that later on uh, to make sure that I <laughs> check check my own boxes. Um, so yeah, we gotta uh, you we've gotta we've gotta deal with that. One of the things that's in that podcast that I think is more true now than ever before is the Navy SEAL story, right? The uh, the the Navy SEAL. And so uh, this is a story I tell and I, I told in that podcast. I'll tell it here again. It's from uh, the book Lone Survivor, and it's uh, about this Navy SEAL who survives this attack. And it's uh, there's a movie about it as well. Um, but in the book, he talks about the training that they go through for Navy SEALs. And so they do this terrible nine week training, and then the tenth week is their hell week. And it's supposed to be the worst uh, week of the whole thing. And they essentially don't get to sleep for a week. And it's just the most rigorous part. But the biggest thing of it is they don't get to sleep. They work and work and work and, and just stay up all night again and again and again and again, working, 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 working. Right. And what happened at the training that was interesting was on the first day, there were a large number or a significant number of people who quit. They they dropped out of the program. They rang the bell and they dropped out of the program. And the, the narrator, the main character, asked one of the instructors later, and he said, look, you know, the first day was tough, but we've had lots of days that were as tough as the first day. Why did those people drop out the first day? And the instructor said they were getting hammered on the first day. And all they could do was think about the fact that six more days were coming and they were never going to make it. And when they looked at the future, it was too much. And the instructor said, if you're going to make it, do not think about the future. Do not look at what's ahead. Pick 10 minutes into the future and say, what am I doing right now for the next 10 minutes? And then after 10 minutes, repeat the process and say, what am I doing right now for the next 10 minutes? And my wife and I talk about that all the time. We call it Navy sealing it. We're Navy sealing it. That means I am just looking at what I have to do right now and I'm doing it. And then I will look up and look around and go, what do I have to do right now? And then I will do that. And guys, I think that that is good advice. And I think that that is a good way to approach where we are right now. What information do I have right now? What needs to happen? And then put your head back down and do it. Yeah. It's funny. I have um, heard you tell that, story, I don't know, countless times. And uh, when we recorded the the last podcast episode where we talked about being overwhelmed and we, um, you know, you, you shared the story at that point in time, like, you know, it's just like any other normal day. And we recorded the podcast and um, it was, uh, you know, we record them sometimes in advance and it was weeks later when the podcast came out and it was uh, a random day and I just thought, oh, I'll listen and see what podcast episode came out. Um, and I heard that story and I was like, today I really needed to hear that because it was a day where I was feeling so overwhelmed and I was not Navy stealing it and I was, I was catastrophizing the 9 million things that were on my schedule and how behind I was and all the things I had to do at home and all the things I had to do at the clinic. And I was feeling like I need to ring the bell. Like I am about to have a breakdown. I can't handle all of this. 
And, um, you know, that I was in the car and the podcast came on and I was like, oh, you know, like this is a good, <laughs> a good reminder. Sometimes you just, you hear things at the right moment. And for me, that was, that was totally the right moment because I wasn't thinking about it from that perspective. And I was letting myself get overwhelmed. And the reality is when you get into that headspace where you let yourself be overwhelmed, you get paralyzed and then you don't do anything. And that is almost worse than um, any other choice because you either think about how you're going to quit or you just stand there and then life hits you like the back truck that it is. And then you're really screwed. And so, um, you know, it is a story that has always stuck with me and that I, when I feel myself getting into that headspace where I feel so overwhelmed like that, I just remind myself, okay, put your head down. what is what is going to be the next thing that you have to do and yeah. take it you know one step at a time most of us and are it, spending so much emotional energy right now on things that are outside of our control i mean so much the the buddhists call it monkey mind which i like i like that idea of this chaotic curious george monkey flitting around, you know what I mean? Getting into this and getting into that and turning this over and climbing on that. And I swear that's how our minds feel all the time. And it's exhausting and it's not productive. So the last, the last thing about headspace I'll say, and and I want everybody to hear this, be kind, be kind. You are seeing so many of us on a very bad day. You know, you are seeing people who are afraid or, you know, they are really stressed or they're worried about their parents or they're worried about their kids or they're worried about how they're going to put food on the table if they have to stay home with their kids if schools close or they're worried about their small business and what if they have to shut down. And that's a lot of the stress that a lot of us uh, practice owners uh, or managers or small business owners feel. And I, I mean, there's so many of us who are carrying these things. There is, I don't know that we've ever seen a time when so many people are having a bad day at right. the same time. And so be kind. We always say people are fighting a battle that, that uh, the rest of us know nothing about. And man, that's, I don't know that that's ever more true than right now. Hashtag truth. Yeah. I feel, I feel that. It is. Okay. And, and and you see it like when, when I have over the last few days, like when I have been talking to other managers and everybody is, the, the stress is evident. Everybody is, everybody is feeling it. You know, lots of people have been asking us, Hey, what are you guys going to do? Um, because they know we have an event coming up, but it's, it's no different than in the practice. You know, every conversation I've had with another manager in the last week has been, Hey, where are you guys, you know, like even something as simple as like, where, where are you guys getting toilet paper from? But it has been, there has been an overlay of stress in every one of those conversations because everybody is feeling the overwhelm of living in an environment and in a reality where life is literally changing day by day. And so I think yeah. it's really important to think about that and remember that everybody has all of those normal stressors that they have on any given day and then facing the reality of life as we as we know it right now on top of that and so i think that's advice we're going to see some of the best um as things continue to change 
And unfortunately with that comes along that we are going to see the worst in some people. And so um, choosing to focus on um, spreading the, the best in people out as much as we can, I think will, will serve all of us much better. Yeah, I agree. All right, Stephanie, let's go to work. Let's, let's do what we can do. Let's get into this and start kicking butt and taking names and taking control of the things that we can take control of. You ready to go? I am. All right, cool. Let's get into our plan. And guys, as you know, the world is changing fast. Uh, Take this uh, as you will for where we are right now. We're going to speak in some general terms at some points. We're going to say you got to do what's right for your practice. Uh, Some things may change, but we're going to lay down our action plan for right now. And uh, what what we would do uh, in our clinics and um, bam, and, and, and how we're going to be looking at the future and the calls that we're going to be making. And so let's get into this. We've got an emergency plan. We're going to break it up talking about the team. We're going to talk about our business. We're going to talk about our patients. And we're going to talk about our clients. And so yes. that's how our, our, uh, our plan is broken up. Steph, let's talk about the team, right? Yep. How do we keep yep. our people safe? How, what do we say to them? Let's get into this and start tearing it apart. Yeah. So I think, um, I think for me, when I started thinking about my team, um, the, the place where I really had to start was, okay, who, who is my team actually made up of? Who are these people and what is going on in their lives? And so the Mm -hmm. first question that I asked myself was, who do I already know has high risk people in their home? Do I have anybody on my team that is immunocompromised that has a child or a spouse or a parent or someone living in their home that is um, immunocompromised or has other high risk factors being elderly? Um, You know, and I, I literally made a list of my people and started making notes about those things. So some of that you're going to know about your people, but you guys, the reality is part of our jobs, if we are, good HR people is walking that line between being professional and knowing too much and or oversharing with our teams. And so the reality is um, you may have people on your team who have high risk um, factors in their home life that you don't know about. And so this is the perfect time to ask them, hey, I just want to make sure that I have as much information as possible to prepare us as best as possible. Who, who has someone who falls into what the CDC calls the high risk factor group? Don't ask them for more information. Just yeah. ask them yes or no. Are you in this category and make a list of who those people in your, in your team are, because the reality is those people are going to fall into the bracket of very definitely impacted when coronavirus hits your your local community. They're going exactly. to be people who have to either self quarantine or who have um, are going to have issues with needing to be away from the public um, and or make changes to what they're doing to minimize the risk factor for those people in their home that are high risk. Yes, I agree. Same thing. Um, Let's talk about people with kids. So mm-hmm. school closures are a thing that is happening in some areas. I don't know if it's going to happen in your area. I don't know if it's going to happen in my area. I would obviously be affected by my two children not having school. Um, that is a thing that can happen. And that will impact your staff if it does happen. Quick head count. 
who has children who are uh, in, who are school aged. You know, who are people who might end up with their with their kids at home? So, yeah. two questions. Um, number one, can we go ahead and encourage those people now to start working on planning uh, childcare? If, if school closures happen, and I know that that may seem ridiculous, um, it's amazing how many people stick their head in the sand and just saying to your staff, guys, this is not planned. If people have children who might be affected by school closures, we ask that you go ahead and start thinking about what childcare would look like, see if there are arrangements that can be made, but let's go ahead and start thinking about that now, because I promise you, if it happens, you will be amazed at the percentage of your staff who go, I'd never anticipated this. Who could have foreseen this? Even though it has happened already all around and we hear it on the news. Hey, guys, let's go ahead and start thinking about what child care will look like um, and if there are things that we can do to cover child care. The other thing to consider is um, can we accommodate children at the practice? And like, what does that look like? If we have team members who have kids that are now at home, do we have, uh, you know, what can we do? Uh, how can we help? Uh, if these, uh, oftentimes for a lot of us, it comes down to uh, the, we find a place to, uh, to, to take care of kids or we don't come to work. And that's what a lot of our staff is looking like. And so I'm not signing you up to be a daycare, but I'm saying, is there a plan for uh, the idea that that kids may not be in school. I would encourage our staff to find their own plans. I would start thinking about contingency plans if uh, people have kids in tow that they need to do something with. Yeah, and and look, there are there are some practices out there who are in an environment where they actually have a have a daycare attached to their practice. That is a thing for most of us that is not. The reality is it could go from being as simple as when we first started seeing cases here, um, we had a school who had a suspected exposure. And so the school said, we're going to close for the next 24 hours so we can do a deep clean of the school environment, right? So that made sense to everybody. It was like, look, this is this is a one day thing. It sucks. It's inconvenient, but we're going we're gonna to deal with it. Yesterday, the schools made the announcement that um, because of the continuing climbing, climbing number of positive cases in our county, um, the the one of the school districts here, which is a fairly large um, school district, said, hey, as of today, through the end of March, we are going to close school. And so the school is doing their best to help um, minimize the impact to that. They're talking about how can they offer childcare options for parents who are um, in uh, you know, public health and public safety positions who have no choice but to go to work. Look, there are a lot of parents who have flexibility and who have the ability working in jobs in an environment where they can say, hey, I could work from home or hey, I could telecommute or hey, I could take some time off. It's, it's, it's flexible and yes, it's inconvenient, but it's not a choice. We are in um, an industry where um, particularly for our listeners who are working in ER environments, who are like, look, we're 24 seven, there has to be people in the hospital. Um, it's the same for our friends and family and community members who are police officers and who are firefighters and, um, you know, who don't have the choice to be able to say, I can't, I can't come into work for the next three weeks. 
that can't be everyone's reality. And so the schools are trying to help as best they can and help source alternate solutions um, for people who are in those situations. But the reality is at some point, it is going to impact people beyond a 24-hour closure for deep cleaning of the school. And so your team needs to think about that. And it's also not just our school-age kids. It, it is also impacting and affecting um, our team members who have uh, smaller kids, uh, infants and toddlers who are in daycare centers, particularly bigger ones um, that uh, have a lot more exposure factor. Those facilities are, are being impacted as well. Um, the, the pro and the con, right, is that a lot of colleges and universities are also being impacted. And so the negative part about that is our, um, you know, our kids who might still be at home that are in university are out of classes. The good about that is that we have kids who are now not in school. And so can they help with younger kids and younger siblings? Can we leverage that as a resource to try and help some of our parents who are working? But I definitely think that you are totally right in just being honest with your team and saying, Hey, look, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to try and make anybody um, make decisions that don't feel right for their team, but I need you guys to get real honest about what is your situation? What have you done to plan? We as a business are going to try and help support you as much, as much as possible, but you're an adult and this is a time where you're going to have to adult. And I need you to think about what your plan is and be prepared for the fact that some of your team may come back and say, I don't have a backup plan because of X, Y, and Z. And then you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with that as a, as a manager or business owner and figure out how then you're going to take that information and work with it. Yeah. So, so let me jump in right now and say, this is good. Like this is a good thing. These are, these are concrete, real problems that you can discuss in your practice and you can think on and you can address. You do not want to do them under pressure. You do not want to do them when someone's on the phone saying, my kid's not going to school today. Do them now. And right. I know that you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's You've got time right now. There's a million other businesses that are in the same uh, situation. People are figuring this out as they go. This is the research we're going to keep doing or what are our options? We're going to think creatively. We're going to look at the resources that we have, like kids coming home from college, you know, uh, if the high school kids are out of school, you know, how, you know, whatever. I, as the situation changes, the answer to that question may continue to change, but power is putting that down. So that's the first thing we're going to put down on the list. What can you do right now? Let's talk about kids. Let's talk about people who are in special positions or high risk situations. Let's identify people so that we know what we're working with and we know what we're dealing with. And let's start making some contingency plans as best we can. If you're like, I don't know any of this. I would love to talk to people. Uh, the Uncharted community is a great place, just so we know, throwing that out there. Obviously, we were talking about this. We we're going to be trying to provide continuing education into uh, our online community regarding this. So we'll have some roundtable discussions on what people are doing, keep the lines of communication open, support each other. So if you're looking and you need that, uh, Uncharted is a resource that's there. Uh, you can check it out at unchartedvet.com uh, to be a member. Okay. Um, what other special needs are present? Or is there yeah. anything else that we're thinking about? Um, I, I think um, so you know, it seems a little lopsided and unfair, right? Like at this point, we've looked at our team and we've said, who are my, who are my high risk people or who have high risk factors in their home? Who are my people with kids? Well, then the question becomes, well, what about the other people that don't fall into those two categories? Um, the reality is you have to look at that pool of people. And the first thing you have to do is look at that pool of people and say, 
the success cannot ride solely on them because right. that's an unfair burden to them. And right. so then you need to figure out how, how do I take the people that are on the side of, we know that they're going to be impacted because of high risk, high needs or kids. Um, what do I do to take care of um, the other half of my team or the other, the other portion of my team that, that fall into that. Um, and then I think you need to think about what, you know, from, from a, from a whole team perspective, what are the other needs involved? And that's going to come out of conversation with your team. You know, it's going to be maybe the team members looking at the team members who commute in, um, you know, for an hour each way. And so if you're talking about trying to split shifts or make shorter shifts so people can pick up kids if their daycare hours shorten or whatever, um, it's going to impact team members who have those other things that are not high risk, um, but, but also make a difference in them if you start making decisions without that kind of information. So I think it's important to kind of consider what are those normal every day factors that might be easy to overlook and then talk to talk to the team about how impactful that that would be. You know, for example, I have two team members on my team who drive almost an hour in each way. And one of the things that I try and do with our scheduling is if we have to have short days, I try not to schedule them to be those people because it's, it's unfair to them to drive in an hour and work two or three or four hours. Right. But in a time like this, I might go to them and say, Hey, if we have a need for this, are you willing to do this in this case? I know generally I try not to make you be the person that this has to happen to, but are you flexible? Do you have capacity to do this? Just those kind of things that are are out of the ordinary or are part of your ordinary. And so therefore you try and um, generally avoid them otherwise. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Okay. Um, let's talk about, about taking care of our people. Let's talk about keeping them safe. The next thing that, that we can work on, what are your cleaning policies, right? Yeah. We have a revolving door of people who are coming in to our clinic with their pets and we are greeting them face to face and they are in the exam room and they're sitting there for an extended amount of time. And if they're, in, uh, if they're sick, they may be coughing, they may be wiping their hands, they're rubbing their face and rubbing your yeah. benches. Uh, they're putting their hands on your treatment tables. You know, all of those <laughs> things, those things are happening. Um, yeah. What are what are your policies? Because we are essentially playing Russian roulette with uh, coronavirus in the rooms. There's um, a lot of healthy people that come in, and then there's one that's not, and yep. we don't know who that is. So, are yep. ex uh, extended cleaning protocols? Have you talked to your team about what an exam room cleaning looks like today? What is the standard? Like, what do you want your hospital cleaning to be? now and we may have to extend appointment times by 10 minutes to give people time to do that that may be a um a risk that we or a, a an impact that we take we have longer appointments so that we have time to really clean our rooms after every person we're cleaning the benches they sit on we're cleaning our exam tables we're cleaning our sink areas or whatever but um but we need a plan. What are the surfaces? How do they get wiped down? And then we need to train on this. Guys, this is how we're cleaning our rooms. This is how we're, you know, we're, we're, we're turning everything over. Well, and I think another, another piece of it, I know the first thing that sprung to my mind when things started getting um, more heated here was, okay, so we are in a high risk category because we are working in close proximity to the public on a daily basis. And so my thought was, 
well, do we have, do we have enough masks for the whole team if we're going to continue doing our job and they need to protect themselves and or protect others? Do, do we have, do we have masks? Now we're in a situation where we can't get them. And so taking stock of what is your supply situation and, um, you know, it, it affects the business and it affects your team. But this was a big one for me because a lot of us, um, you know, I am, <laughs> I am one of the queens of um, advocating for running smart inventory. And I've never been a stockpiler. Um, I like to keep it neat and clean in the clinic. And the reality is that is great. 99% of the time for my budget, for the business right now, um, it's affecting me more greatly than some of my friends who might um, err on the side of being a little bit more of a stockpiler because there are clinics out there that are going to have more masks, more cleaning supplies, more toilet paper, all of those things. Um, and there are going to be clinics that don't. And so I think taking stock of um, what is your cleaning policy? Do you have the products you need to support that? And also, what is your PPE policy? What are you What are you issuing to your team to protect them um, from the course of their job. And the reality is we are working in a high public contact environment. And so being able to provide them with proper PPE to protect themselves um, from what uh, clients potentially could be exposing them to, as well as have them help protect against exposing clients. Um, those are things that you have to think about. And we we are, as employers have the burden to provide that for our team. And we have to kind of think about some of those scenarios where what do we do if we can't provide our team with those, um, those products and, and supplies, what do we do about keeping them safe then? Right. No, I'm, I'm on board. So I, I think that that's, I think that that's great. So action steps so far, uh, kids, high risk situation, people, what are we, what are we looking at? Cleaning policy, stock mm -hmm. up on supplies. Um, it's time to review our sick policies. What? Why is that? So here's the thing: the the reality is it's it's time to look at what 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 message are we sending to our team? And look, I'm going to be really real for a second. All of us have at some point drug ourselves or drug ourselves and a sick kid in tow to the clinic because yep. we felt like in order for the clinic to survive, we had to be there and had to do our job. The reality is we are in a situation where that is only going to harm everybody involved in a very severe way. It's, it's different from, you know, um, it, it just, it just is, it's a, it's a different environment. And so looking at what your policies are, do you, you know, do you have an unwritten rule that if your team has a fever that they're supposed to stay home? Well, now's the time to make that a written rule. You need very clear guidelines so that your team knows what the hard and fast boundaries and rules are um, now and moving forward in the future. And so if you don't have um, a policy that tells your team these are symptoms that you in no circumstances should come to work with, um, in my handbook, in my, my policy uh, manual, it is things like my team does not um, come to work if they have a fever. I use the, the, I go by the school's guideline, which is if there's a fever over 100.1, don't come to work. If there is vom, active vomiting or diarrhea, don't come to work. Um, things like that. And then, and then the other piece of it is not only when that is actively happening, but how long after those things are happening, do you not want them to come to work? Again, I, you 
the science general starting point. And I said, okay, I want all of those things gone for 24 hours before you come back to the, to the clinic. The reality is there's a longer incubation period with this. And so if someone from your team is actually act- actively infected, um, they can infect, um, could infect the team if they come back sooner than that. But, you know, we're just talking about good precautionary measures that you um, should be thinking about and taking into account. So one piece of it is the symptoms and the, the um, you know, does your team know when they should stay home? And are you sending them the message that this is your expectation? Mm-hmm. Look, I want my team to feel like they don't have to drag their sick 104 degree fever ass into the clinic. I want them to feel like it is okay to call me and say, hey, I have a fever. I'm staying home today. That is an environment that I choose to create for my team. But if if your in team environment is more of like, okay, well, if you're really not like super, super sick and you feel like you could work, please come in. You need to decide what those hard and fast boundaries are going to be for you and your team. Well, a lot of it is making the point to your team that maybe in the past there have been mixed messages about, hey, we want you to stay home, but also we're really shorthanded and, right. and say, guys, this is different. The right. clear 100% message here is do not come in. Right. right now with this, do not come in. You know, and it doesn't matter how shorthanded we are. You are not letting the team down by staying home. I want to be 100% clear, no mixed messages. Stay home. Do not come here. And it really is that that clear of a delivery because there will still be people who go, I know that Andy's really stressed because, you know, business is down or I know a lot, you know, the, the staff who have kids at, uh, at, are, are, are calling out because of kids and I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to be there. Like, let me be real clear. Do not come here. Do not. If you want to help me, do not come here because this could be much worse. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Yep. And I think the other half of that piece of it in terms of sick policies and why you have to look at them is you have to look at how, how are you as a business able to support your team? And so, um, when, when I think about my team, um, you know, the reality for a lot of us in veterinary medicine is that our paraprofessional staff is living paycheck to paycheck. And so you really have to think. If you're, if a member of your team had to be on a two week quarantine, do we have a sick policy that is going to help support that in any way? Are they going to get any wages? Is there going to be, um, you know, a lot of why they drag themselves into work is because they can't afford not to. So what can we do as a business to support them? If we already have those policies in place, um, are we thinking about extending those? You know, we have a pretty generous um, time off policy and in the state of Washington as a whole, all employers are required to provide a week of sick time to our team. And my team earns that on an accrual basis. So for every hour they work, they earn um, a certain, or for every 40 hours that they work, they earn an hour of sick time. Well, what do I do if I know that they're going to earn the time, but maybe they don't have it earned yet? Could I think about temporarily changing my policies to be more supportive? Can I front load them with that time and say, hey, look, if anybody get sick and needs to take the time off, we're going to let you go negative in your bank, which we normally don't. 
but in this situation, we're going to, so that you can take care of yourself and you can take care of your family. Are there things that we can do as a business to better support our team in this current environment? Right. One of the things that we can do right now to support our team is some cross-training. If we have not done that, I don't know how much time we have, but we may, even if it's a couple of days, can we make sure the techs are up to speed on what happens at the front desk? Can we uh, uh, make sure our front desk has had some training in animal handling? Things like that. And I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, but even if we're short-staffed, again, this is people with uh, special concerns or needs being out, people with uh, who have a kid... Um, um, kid man i keep wanting to say kid management problems kid <laughs> management problems. Like, there's a lot of us with kid management problems i'll tell you that so people with kid management problems um i don't know what i'm gonna be sh- i don't know where i'm gonna be short um you know we've talked to some practices um in uncharted that lost half their front desk when the schools closed and the technicians didn't seem to be as affected. And I was just, I'm sure as a roll of dice, I'm sure it was probably different in every practice, but it is possible that you're going to lose your, your CSRs and not your techs, right. or you're going to lose your techs and not your CSRs. And a little bit of cross training right now may help you immensely later on. And so now it can definitely be a time to train, uh, just, just basic skills. Can the techs answer the phone uh, can the front desk do uh, animal restraint? You know what I mean. Um, how do we how do we work uh, how do we work together to keep the lights on and to keep the business functioning? If we're on a skeleton crew, cross training, there's still some time for a lot of us. So you know maybe this is what we start to do over the lunch breaks. Uh, still taking our lunch breaks, but maybe we factor this in uh, into the into the day of hey, we're not seeing appointments during these times because we're doing some training. Super smart. And the other piece that goes along with that is. Um, do we have that if someone gets hit by a bus tomorrow, what do we do handbook or manual or whatever? Like, what are those key things that need to happen that somehow just magically kind of happen in a lot of our practices that nobody knows how they, how they magically happen. Those are the kind of things that we need to get serious about writing down. This is how that actually happens. Because if Karen is in charge of one of those things and Um, you know, Karen's kids school closes and she's now, you know, gone for the next two and a half weeks until the school maybe reopens at the end of March. What are you going to do to make sure that the, those, those tasks happen on a regular basis? So I think that's part of where you need to sit down and get real and have a, have a conversation with your team and say, Hey guys, this is where I can use your help because you're going to have a lot on your plate as a manager or business thinking business owner, thinking about how do I manage this? This is where you can leverage your team and ask them for their help. Say, Hey guys, these are the pieces that I'm working on because I have to work on them as the manager of the business owner, but I have all of these other pieces that need to get done. And this is where I can really use your help. Can you help me put together, um, you know, a binder on the basic protocols that need to get done to make the business survive? Or, um, can you help us with cross training, um, someone else in this thing that you do or, or whatever that is leverage, leverage the team. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now we come to the nightmare scenarios. And this is the time to think about them. What happens if and when an employee tests positive? What happens if and when a client who is into the clinic tests positive? Oh, man. Yeah, this is this is this is a scary one, right? This is this is the hard one. So um, the CDC's current recommendation is that post exposure 
for um, whether someone is symptomatic um, or asymptomatic that post-exposure um, individuals uh, be in um, a self-quarantine for 14 days after the last potential exposure. So if you have a team member or you have a client who was in, um, you know, last week, and then you find out that they have tested positive, if they've continued to have exposure to your team through that um, that time period, you have to think about when was the last day that anybody was exposed to them. They, if it was a client who was in last week and you've already had a week pass, that's great. Then you then you check time off that 14-day period. But if it's a team member who's there every single day, that impacts it. And you need a plan that includes a minimum of a two-week period for someone to be gone or be out in self-quarantine. And so that's a big chunk of time. And that is something that a lot of us don't think about. So you need a plan that has a, a two-week um, backup contingency window attached to it. And so I think the first thing, especially if it's an employee, is to make them feel supported and make them feel loved because they probably feel like crap right now, um, both physically, um, but also probably a little bit mentally because they're worried about letting you down. They're worried about the team feeling like they're letting them down. So tell them, look, it is okay. I need you to take care of you. Um, and, and then you can, when you're, when you're done being taken care of, then you can come back and you can worry about taking care of us. But I think how you choose to approach it with your team is so, so important. You guys, this is a make it or break it a moment for a lot of us. Yeah, I agree. One, one other thing I'll throw out and, and I'm being a little bit cautious here. Now is not the time to take on new projects uh, or to expand services. That is not the time. That said, if your practice has some telemedicine capabilities, if that's a thing that you guys have worked on, even if we, you're doing Skype calls with clients or Zoom calls, this might be the time to iron those sorts of things out. This may be a time that, uh, you know, if if the clinic shuts down, we may be able to uh, support our clients via telemedicine and uh, it would be a world shift, but think about things in those lines. Um, do you have capabilities for that? If not, now is not the time to go out price shopping. I, you know what I mean? And, and right. figuring out new technology. So I do not <laughs> want to freak people out. And they're like, I don't do that. That's okay. Let it go. Don't worry about right. it. You know, but just if you do have that or you do have some, um, some possibilities of that, this might be a contingency plan. Yeah. Well, and I think for me that falls into um, our our next category, which is, you know, uh, our business. And people yeah. And that's the clients as well. One last thing that I will say about the team before we move on is now is the time to um, know whether your hospital or business is impacted by FMLA um, which is a which is a federal thing, but also so many states now are offering family leave programs that are um, the same or, or, or that are equivalent to FMLA. And so businesses who were previously um, not uh, impacted by FMLA are in in states that have had set lower thresholds for how we support our people. So not only being aware of whether FMLA applies to you or not, so that'd be businesses that have 50 employees um, and over, 
but whether your state has any family leave act, look, this is the point of programs like this to support people when they need to take time off. And so the reason that I bring it up is not only knowing the rules and regulations and laws and how they apply to you, but now is not the time to try and figure out how to file the proper paperwork. Like when you're in it and having to do it, you need to know what you need to do. So if this is an area where you feel weak and you have never had to had employees go out on leave or you've never had to have employees that have um, had to take extended time off, now is the time to clear your calendar for a couple of hours and sit down and do the research and figure out what you need to do to support your people and how you need to do it so that you don't screw it up from a legal perspective. Um, that is, that is really, really important. And that's where reaching out to, you know, look, if you're a small hospital and you don't have an HR department, this is where you can throw money at that problem. There are HR firms that will give advice and can give you a plan in a box and, and resources in a box use those kind of things because now is not the time to try and figure that out if you've never figured it out before. But it is really important to think about it because a lot of us are going to be um, impacted by it and are going to need to figure out how that system works. Definitely. All right. Let's move into some business planning. Yeah. What can we do uh, to look after our business right now? So we just went through sort of our, our employees and kind of where head is, head is there. What should we be thinking out um, as far as business goes? So I think the number one thing is, is that there's going to be some impact to your business Definitely. and um, the, the doomsday mentality that a lot of people are looking at is, you know, this is going to cause the economy to go into a free fall and it's going to be a recession and there's going to be no business and we have to deal with that. That may not be everybody's reality. That, For, that may not be everybody's reality. Let me, let me say, right. I've seen, I've seen the opposite some places too. So right. let's, it's not all doom and gloom and, right. and we're, we're hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. Yes. And I think the reality is we have to think about it from the perspective of it is going to impact your business in some way, whether it be a, a slump that you have to plan for or whether it is an increase in appointments because you have clients who are like, I want to get out and get this done because I want to be able to stay home if something happens to me. You may get busier. You may also stay flat. So you need to think about what is going to be your plan, particularly for my clinics out there who are listening right now who have a boarding facility, whether it's a standalone or it's a part of your practice, boarding is going to be significantly impacted. And it's going to be significantly impacted in one of two ways. Either you're going to go nuts and you're going to have a lot more boarding because people just can't deal with their pets while they're dealing with the other sick family members or kids out of school or whatever. And they're like, Hey, I've never sent my dog to doggy daycare, but now's the time and it's going to come for the next two weeks. So you may get super busy. The opposite may happen as people are impacted by all the travel bans and in terms of travel and being right. out and about changes. <clears throat> Sorry. It kind of, um, um, affected by, uh, the travel bans. Okay. affected by the travel bans, like our, the way that we live our lives is changing. And all of the air travel that we previously did, like that's changing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so we have clients who have trips that have been planned and may now cancel them or may have no choice, but have the trip canceled on them. Those kind of things are going to impact our boarding businesses. And so I think for those hospitals, it's really important that you look at um, your profit center and your revenue source from boarding in your practice and plan for 
the different scenarios. What do you do if things stay flat? What are you going to do if things get crazy busy? What are you going to do if business falls off? I think you need to look at it from all three of those perspectives. And if as a business, you don't have a plan for all three of those things, you need to, again, you need to clear your calendar. You need to set aside a couple hours and you need to sit down and you need to actually proactively plan what your business plan is for all three of those scenarios, because it's going to impact you one way or another. And you don't know which of those three, the impact is going to happen from. And so you want to be prepared. Well, people go, how in the world is my business going to increase? We've had some practices, some uncharted practices that have actually seen people who are stuck at home and they're like, uh, this is a great time for me to get stuff done. And so they, you know, uh, and there's people who bring their kids in cause the kids are out of school and they're like, yeah. got these kids at home, a trip to the vet seems interesting. And right. so this is something I just, I, I have got, and I, I understand that I have got to get out of this house. I can't yeah. be here with these kids anymore. And so they yeah. come to the vet. Yeah. Um, Or think about those clients who have crazy work schedules and can never get in during your normal office hours, but now are forced to telecommute and are working from home because their employer doesn't want them traveling or doing whatever makes their normal normal schedule crazy. This is a perfect time for them to be like, oh, look, I'm working from home. Shoot, can I take two hours and go over and get that visit to the vet done that I've been putting off because I haven't been able to fit it in my schedule? Like you don't think that those things are going to happen, but they are. So I think you need to be proactive about um, looking at all three, um, all three areas of your practice. And then also, um, you know, certainly from the slump perspective, trying to be proactive about filling the schedule now. So if you are one of those practices that have had your business die off as a result of this, or are starting to feel that, you know, you've had lots of boarding cancellations, or you've had lots of same day cancellations. What are your plans for how you fill your schedule when things are are slow? I think, it, again, you have to have a plan. Don't go crazy. Don't go trying to implement all kinds of new things that you've never tried before. Now is not necessarily the time for that. But you do have to have a cautious plan for how do you drum up business if business is slow? How do you temper business if it's too overwhelming and your team can't handle it? Yeah. No, I completely agree. What about people who have been trying to hire? Are we continuing on with our hires? Are we shutting down that process? What are we, what are we doing there? I think that's a super individual. um, I think that's a super individual discussion. I think for practices who are really, um, you know, who are in a position where it's probably going to affect them from a slump perspective more than a get busier perspective. And that could be a geographical thing. That could be a business model thing. There's a lot of factors that make that um, more likely for some of our practices over others. I think we have to be honest and think like, is now the time to add a new doctor or can we work harder with the team that, that we have? Um, Or, you know, do we, are we really that short staffed that if I have, two people that have to call out the the clinic will cease to function, then maybe we do need to focus on um, hiring and we need to put the fast forward button down full speed because we need to get more bodies in here. I think that is something that clinics have to weigh from both sides. And I think it's an area where as a manager, I, I really want everybody to be a little bit cautious. It's a right. fine line to walk because 
I don't want everybody going, oh, well, gosh, if half my staff is out, then I need to hire six more people right now. What are you going to do if business falls off and you can't support those six people, let alone the people, the six people that you already have? Like, you don't want to panic and overreact to think, what is the reality of your team? If more names on your team were in the high risk, the high risk kid affected um, list than not, maybe you do need to have a plan for what happens if all of those people have to call out and you only have three people to rely on to run your, your, you know, seven day a week clinic. That's the problem. So uh, everybody needs to think about it from a logical place, but you do need to think about it because it is, um, it is going to impact a lot of us. Right. I, I always like the advice, avoid making permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Mm. And so beware of panicking and making a call. I think generally hiring is a long-term, um, is a long-term uh, commitment. And I, making long-term commitments in highly uncertain times is, um, is tricky. And yeah. so... My my instinct, I, th- I think more often than not, I'm probably backing away from things like this right now to see what happens. Right. But right. Uh, but you're exactly right. Be look and see what see what you're dealing with, and you know remember to think outside the box. Maybe hiring a permanent employee is not what we need to do, but maybe there are people who have been at college who are coming back, and right. maybe they can help. You know things like that. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, and that's that's where for me overall from the business perspective, I think. I I sum it up by looking at, look, is this a time where we can tighten our belt a little bit in a variety of different ways, whether it's financial, whether it's with the staff, whether we're running lean and mean, can we, can we tighten our belt a little bit and be cautious for how long and really being honest about that and looking at our individual situations and say, okay, maybe we can figure out how to run, um, you know, with, with three people for two weeks. But is two weeks the breaking point? Is four weeks the breaking point? The answer is going to be completely individual to your clinic and your team and the human beings that make up your practice. And so this is where you have to get really real and you have to sit down from a business perspective and figure out who are your people, what are their needs, and how do we how do we tighten the belt from a business perspective and try and minimize the cost impact to the business but also recognizing that there is going to be a breaking point for every team in every hospital. And you have to know what that breaking point is because your responsibility both to your people and, and to your business is to know what that breaking point is and avoid it. Um, Because the reality is if you burn your people out and they all quit, then your business is going to be screwed. And so you have to think from a business perspective, how do I try and, and do some of those things to avoid that? And so for my practice owners who were thinking when I was saying, well, can I front load my people, my sick pay? And they were like, but I can't afford that. And then are people going to take advantage of that? Look, can you afford for two or three people on your team to, to have to quit because they, you know, they can't handle the stress of working understaffed for three or four weeks at a time? I don't know. The answers are going to be individual to our, to each of our practices. And that's where I think it's really important to kind of sit back in and think about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the, uh, the classic veterinarian solution of we'll just work harder with fewer people. That's not, that's not a feasible long-term strategy. You know, again, short-term, uh, like a day or two. Yep. If we're settling into a new reality or we're settling into weeks, um, 
that that strategy can get old real fast. And so sometimes strategically ratcheting down what we're doing in order to pace ourselves and just uh, go on um, high, almost hibernation status. Like we can th- we can keep the lights on, we can pay the bills, you know, and we're not going to burn people out, but we can right. make it like this. Yeah, right. that that's a good plan. All right, and cool. So- and so speaking of hibernation, when I think about our patients and our clients, one of the first things that I think about is actually from that hibernation um, perspective, because I think about things like, what do we do when the toilet paper runs out? Like, what mm-hmm. do we do when the Lysol wipes run out? How do we clean our rooms? What are what supplies do we need to support our patients? And this is twofold. One is, um, to, how do we support our clients? How do we clean the hospital? How do we support our patients by having a clean hospital? And the reality is we currently as healthcare providers are impacted by the fact that people are going nuts and doomsday prepping and buying up all the toilet paper and the Lysol wipes and all of those things that we rely on to keep our hospitals functioning. And so if you haven't thought about that, um, for, for a lot of us, we're, we're a little too late to the this point to think about it. Uh, for real, I legit spent an hour yesterday trying to find toilet paper for my team. And then the reality was there was no toilet paper to be had. And so I found, um, you know, I wound up buying disposable flushable wipes because I was like, we can't not have a bathroom here at the clinic mm-hmm. and I have to have toilet paper at home. So I can't bring in my, my little tiny stash from home, but we still have to be able to come to work and use the bathroom. So we have to think about a plan B. It's the same for our patients. What are those supplies that we need for our patients that we cannot run the hospital without being sensible about stocking up on those supplies in, in a very, in a very sensible and sane way at this point in time. So if your hospital you know, does five to seven surgeries a day and you need anesthetics, making sure that you have a supply so that if um, shipping from UPS is impacted at some point in time by this and deliveries slow down, that the hospital can can continue to run as best as possible. Um, You know, again, I, I usually err on the side of caution when it comes to inventory, but the reality is there are things from a supply perspective to support our patients that we need on a regular basis. And we we may not face back orders or manufacturer impacts because of this, but a lot of our manufacturers um, have plants in European countries that are going to be impacted if they Mm -hmm. aren't already. And so I think it's really smart to think about what are those things and how can we stock up on the basics in a, in a very sane kind of way. In a sane way. Yes, I agree. No, I I think, (laughs) No, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, so patients, what supplies do we need to take care of them, to see them? Um, what can we see without seeing them? And that sort of circles back to like the telemedicine stuff we talked about before, you know, um, how can we, how can we manage them? How can we keep them safe and their owners safe? And so this sort of ties to the, to the pets and the clients, um, one of the strategic things I see a lot of practices probably moving towards is going to be waiting room management, having right. a bunch of people sitting together in the waiting room, probably right. not ideal. Maybe we're yep. moving towards a policy of pet owners are going to wait in their car Yep. and we will come and get you when we're ready and move you into our cleaned exam room. Yep. Or, um, we may be doing some appointments out in the car. You know what I mean? Yep. We may be doing physical exams and stuff in the parking lot and, mm-hmm. 
before you roll your eyes, we don't know where we're going. That is a way to cut down on, on contamination risk, but keeping people in their individual cars, taking them straight into the exam room, seeing them, cleaning the room, and taking them back out, guys, that's a pretty solid approach uh, based on what we know today. And so exam room or uh, waiting room management is something that we can absolutely plan for. Um, it's something we can communicate to clients. It doesn't seem irrational to most people. It, it, should be, um, it should be something that we should be thinking about right now. Yeah. And I will say I, um, I am, was inspired uh, this week. It had nothing to do with this, but at the same time has everything to do with this conversation we're having now. Um, I was watching a webinar earlier this a week by, um, that was being hosted by our, our mutual friend, Dr. Stacy Santi. And Stacy was talking about um, uh, different technologies that you can leverage um, in your practice and the webinar was actually about online pharmacies, so it had really nothing to do with this. But Stace was talking about how um, ways that we can better serve our clients and and drop the barriers between us and them and make it more accessible to them. And she was talking about, you know, can your clients text you from their car if they have a sick kid in the car and say, hey, can you bring me out this thing? Um, do they have to get on the phone and wait on hold for one of your CSRs to be able to ask that very simple question? Or can they access you by by text or by other technologies? And so, you know, you you really wisely said, Andy, now is not the time to take on significant new new projects. Yeah. But in the scenario that you just described, very simply being able to keep our clients in the car, let them know for us to know when they're here and for us to let them know when we're ready for them thinking about things like, do they have to pick up the phone and call us? Or can they text the front desk? Are you using a, a texting service? Are you using a technology where they can um, instant message you through your website? What are the things that you already have in place in your practice or could very easily put into place in your practice without it being a monumental project undertaking right now um, that will enable you to have don't require the face-to-face -face contact with your team. That will enable you to have. That will enable you to have high access for your clients without having to have the face-to-face -face contact with your, with your team members. I completely agree. Okay. So, so, so I think the last, piece of this right is what do we do for our clients which we kind of already started talking about when we started talking about our patients yeah. um but i i think our you know our clients are also um people that we serve and we have to think about things yep um for them and and you you started by um you know talking about the the number one thing we we can think about which is can they access us um from home or do we have the capacity to do telemedicine can we leverage technologies that are already in place in our practice? Maybe we weren't using them super effectively, but maybe now's the time to, to power down and, and um, try and leverage them a little bit. So if those things are already in place, thinking about those, but if they're not, um, I, I love your idea of clearing out the lobby because that's, that's so, so easy and so simple and something that all of us have the power to do. Right. Well, we, we, should, we, we need to do our best to keep them safe and healthy, mm -hmm. like to keep our, our clients safe and healthy. So cleaning mm -hmm. out the lobby, literally cleaning the lobby, 
Um, mm-hmm. What is our protocol for cleaning the lobby? Are those waiting room chairs getting wiped down? If so, how often is that first thing in the morning, uh, mid, you know, uh, at lunch and then uh, halfway through the afternoon? Or is that every couple of hours or is that whatever? And maybe that's a maybe it's less than that because clients are not in the waiting room because we're right. not keeping them there. And if somebody comes in and sits in the waiting room or insists on sitting in the waiting room, maybe we just wipe down that area after we move them into an exam room. And that's just what mm-hmm. we do. But mm-hmm. what is the plan there with, uh, with keeping them safe? The other thing is, listen, guys, we know that pet owners are going to have a lot of questions. They're going to have a lot of questions about coronavirus in their pets. They're going to yeah. have a lot of things about, can my dog get it and then give it to me? Is there right. dangers at the dog park? There will be a ton of questions. Do your people know how to answer those questions? And so that's another part of training is, guys, here is what you need to know to be able to talk to pet owners about their pets and COVID-19, right? And and train your people because if your people are going, I don't know, then we've set them up to fail. And don't think that you guys have to all become experts in things that you don't feel comfortable and confident with. There are so many great resources that are emerging every day. The AVMA put out some great information yesterday that is designed to be pet owner friendly. Don't reinvent the wheel. This is where you can take the cue from your colleagues. You can gather the information um, from from sources that are, you know, like SAVMA and the AVMA that are already putting together good information that is solid, that is founded in in medicine that you can share with your clients. Figure out what questions they're asking. And again, this is where you want to train your team to not only be able to answer those questions, but you also want to leverage your team to find out what questions clients are asking. So ask your team, say, keep. can you guys keep a list for the next 24 or 48 hours of any questions that clients are asking about um, you know, COVID or, or the coronavirus so that we know what they're asking so that we can help better answer them. And then use your colleagues and use the resources that are out there and harness some of that information and figure out a plan for how you're going to share it with your clients. Are you putting stuff on Facebook? Are you putting stuff on your website? Do you have a blog? You know, where are you putting that information so that your clients can access it when you're when they're not in the practice, because the whole point of this is, is that eventually we're going to hit a point where some of us are going to need to control the foot traffic in our practice. And we want the information to still be accessible to clients because we don't want them going out there and doctor Googling stuff. We want Mm -hmm. them to have good, solid information that is coming from us. And so getting a plan for how you're going to release that information to clients that doesn't require them to come into your building is really, really key. And the other piece of it that I think a lot of us don't think about that is so, so important here is that the number one mistake that we can make is making our clients feel stupid. And the reality is, is that there's no stupid questions. People are scared. They don't have all the information and they don't have a science and medical training. They don't have the science and medical training that we do. So when they ask, you know, is my, is my, um, you know, is my, I get coronavirus from me. There may be an instinct for some of our team members to have biases and snort at that or laugh at that or brush off the clients or be like, Oh my God, this client is so stupid. If you have that kind of thing happening in your practice, this is where you have to take control as a leader and nip that in the bud right here and now, because if we make feeling clients feel 
like they are asking stupid questions, they will stop asking the questions and they will get the information from somewhere else. And this is a chance for us to really empower our teams and empower our clients to feel like we are providing a safe environment for them to ask those questions. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. I feel like that's the plan. I don't think I have anything else other than that. Are you, you feel like that's a pretty good solid plan? Yeah, I feel like this has been so much information. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, you guys, I get it. I am, yeah. I am like Andy said at the beginning of this, I am in, in Washington state in the, in the Seattle, you know, metro area. And we have been heavily impacted by this and it is happening right now. They closed, like I said, they closed the school district, not the one my kids are in, but I know that that's coming. And so the reality is we have to, we have to plan and it is going to feel overwhelming. And so this is where um, it's so important to start where we started and, and think about taking care of yourself, take mm-hmm. some time to breathe, but then be practical and yep. realize that you need a plan. And even if this, even if coronavirus is not the thing that impacts your practice, all of these things are relevant and smart to think about for you know, what if you had a um, natural disaster or what if you had a fire in your practice or the reality is the majority of us are so underprepared for an emergent situation like this to happen. And now is the time to take some time and clear your calendar for a couple hours and sit down and think about some of these things, whether you do it by yourself, you do it with your team or a combination of the two is a really, really smart choice. And it, and it would be very prudent for um, the majority of us to think about how do we how do we deal with this when someone tests positive? Because the reality is it's it's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. We've got a top ten thing list that we came up with on our podcast. So I'm going to run through them real fast as a summary, and then we'll be out. Okay. Number one, uh, kids in high risk situations, uh, people. Who are they in your practice? What are you looking at? How are you going to be affected? Uh, number two, what is our cleaning policy? Right? How are we cleaning exam rooms? Are we letting clients come back into the treatment room? Are we not letting them come back in the treatment room? How are we cleaning the hospital? Um, how are we keeping our people safe? Number three, stock up on supplies. Have a plan on where to get supplies that our patients are going to need so yeah. that we can serve them. Number four, do not come in sick. Set sick policy guidelines. Clearly communicate to your staff what you want them to do. You're not messing around. You're not helping the team by coming in. Number five, cross-training and protocols uh, of if uh, people are not here. Mm-hmm. What is it going to look like if we start uh, having staff members that are not coming in? Are we able to cover? Can we do some cross-training right now, which will help us out a whole lot later when those people aren't there? Do we have the guidelines of how do you do this thing that seems like magic that we really rely on and would be totally screwed if you weren't here to do, right? Number six, um, what are we going to do if there's a positive test in our clinic? Mm. What does that look like? And that's the scariest one. That's the worst one. Um, that may look, may look like closing down for for two weeks. But um, but that is the doomsday scenario, and we have to figure out as much as we can uh, without torturing ourselves, without going into the place of we're worrying without being productive because that's not helpful. Right. right. What is our plan? And and we may not have a full plan, but maybe we can have a partial plan. Maybe we could have quick uh, first steps. But having given some t- thought to this is important. Number seven, what's our business fluctuation plan? What are we going to do if our clients stop coming in? What if? What are we going to do if we see more clients and it's getting busy? Well, I think you can expect fluctuation for sure in your boarding. 
Um, my expectation is that boarding is going down uh, for most, 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 yeah. most, most of us. The travel shutdown is going to empty out a lot of boarding. We're going to see big drops in boarding business. That's what I think. There may be some scenarios where it, where people come in uh, for uh, because of this. I, I, it's so much easier, I think, for me to see how it, how it goes down, and we're and we are seeing that in some of our uncharted hospitals. So uh, business fluctuations. How are you going to handle that? Number eight, waiting room management, cleaning the waiting room, keeping clients out of the waiting room so we don't have crowds in the waiting room. Do you have a plan for that? Have you communicated that? Um, number nine, what's the access plan for clients without coming in? How do they get information? How do we communicate with them? That's our blog. That's our social media. Can they text us? Uh, can mm -hmm. they access us by phone? Do we have telemedicine stuff set up? Can we video conference? Do we want a video conference? What does that look like? How do we bill for that? Those are the types of things we have. And again, I just want to restress that. Nobody freak out and start trying to buy software and implement <laughs> new stuff. Do Wait. not do it. I'm not trying to scare you into that. I'm telling you to think about what you have and think about how to leverage it. I do not think this is the time to start throwing down to get a new thing to train your staff and your front desk on. Um, I think that that window has closed and now we're going to run with what you have. But I want you to think about what you have. And number 10, train your staff to answer the questions that you know are coming. There's great resources out there. Don't reinvent the wheel. But get some staff training together, get some handouts, and then, quote unquote, practice how we're going to say it. And let them hear you answer questions in front of the group, have other people answer questions, have them turn to each other and ask some questions off of a printed sheet that the client might ask just so they can practice answering the questions. And I know people go, ah, oh, that's role play. Guys, that's skill training. That's how we get people where they need to be. Okay? Yeah. So, gang... That's our episode. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Like I said, if you're like, I need to talk to other people who are going through this, uh, the Uncharted community is a great resource. Our people are going through it. Uh, Steph and I are in there. We are neck deep in there uh, trying to, to help people. And they are. we have so many leaders and great communicators and great practice owners and managers and medical directors in there. There's a lot of information being shared, and it's good information. It's not panicky, scared stuff. It is very practical, very positive information on what we can do. And Steph and I will be looking for resources that we can bring into the community as well to further support. And share. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You guys take care of yourselves, take care of your team and, and make sure to take some time um, to breathe. I think that's, that's so important. Put your oxygen mask on yourself first. first. All right. This is a yeah. marathon. Just relax and block out the noise. Don't forget to Navy seal it. Right. Yeah. Just, we just listen to the podcast. We got our to-do list. Just stop and breathe. And then you can only do one thing at a time. And so pick one and just start. And when you're done with it, then look at the list and pick the next one and start. But do not, do not panic. Do not get lost in the noise. You're going to be fine. This too shall pass. Okay? Yep. Guys, take care of yourselves. We're thinking about you. All right? Bye-bye. Have a good week, guys. <laughs>